everyone. What is up? My name is Paige, and I am Stephanie Myers, purposefully going out of my way to leave Bella's floor-length khaki skirt out of chapter 19. And my name is Emily, and I'm actually Paige, going out of her way to say Stephanie Myers' name incorrectly. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's it going today, Paige? How's your day? My day is really good. You know, classic page before the pod eating a bunch of enchiladas that was really nice tina sitting right behind my computer sleeping so just kind of winding down to a nice a nice evening what about you i'm doing well it was good to have a week off to kind of refresh our brains um and i just got my second covid vaccine shot today so i got that pfizer juice in me it is working it is doing the job so i'm feeling pretty good yeah, I also am very thankful. I was pretty sick on Tuesday and I wouldn't have been my sprightly self. So, you know, I'm just I'm just glad I had a day of rest for that. And speaking of things that I am very glad about, I just want to give a big fat huge shout out to friend of the pod gem. On uh, they was it Twitter that they tweeted us or yeah about this hack for breaking in your shoes because a couple episodes ago, I think one or two, I was talking about my Doc Martens destroying my feet. And basically they just said to put a bag of water in your shoe and then put it in the freezer so that the water freezes and then the ice uh, expands and it breaks your shoes in for you. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little skeptical because these shoes were very, very tight and I didn't think it would work, but god damn, it is like I have a brand new, like a completely different pair of shoes. I put the very first one on and I was like, oh my god, I walked around my living room within euphoria. It was amazing. It was like, it, Gem, I just got to say thank you. You literally saved my life. I spent a lot of money on those shoes and I'm just glad that they finally now fit. Hell yeah. Thank you, Jem. Jem is also, well, they live tweeted the first episode of Teen Wolf, which they watched on our recommendation. And it was very entertaining. I have not read it to Paige yet. This has been a crazy couple weeks for both of us. Um, Paige had to go out of town. Um, obviously, we both got vaccinated. I have just been really busy with work and this $1.5 million grant that's due tomorrow. And also had to meet my new boyfriend's parents. So shit has been popping off in case you were wondering why we have been so silent screaming lately. That's why. Yeah, I've been silent and non-silent screaming. I do got to say. Yeah, that is true. But anyways, so Jem, if you feel like watching more Teen Wolf, we would love to hear your thoughts on it. And while we're on the subject of mail sent in by listeners we got two amazing emails from listeners and we just wanted to call y'all out because they were awesome so the first one was from mia and mia actually posed a question that we answered directly to her email but we also are going to answer it here so you all can hear the discussion and then the other email was from hannah and hannah by the time you're hearing this we will hopefully have responded we have not yet but sorry for the delay on that but we also really loved your email the subject line was bonk it doesn't get better than that i literally i saw bonk i silent screamed and i told danny i was like we just got an email that's title is bonk 
so incredible. Okay, so Mia's question in her email was, I will just read this paragraph aloud. Now, this is a really weird question. Really weird question, but I want to know because my mom and I can't be the only people in the world who have this. Who is the most relatable fictional character in the world to you? My mom and I both think ours is Dean Winchester from Supernatural because he's funny, but no one laughs at his jokes, his need to protect the people in his life, etc. I also want to know because I'm constantly comparing one of my friends to Bella. Great question, Mia. Paige, do you want to go first? So I said Abby from Broad City. I have thought from the very first episode of Broad City that I saw on recommendation from my friend slash now roommate Millie, there are so many isms about Abby that just line up perfectly with my life. Physically, we look very similar. I think we're both short. We both have brown hair. We both have thick butt. And it's something that we're known for and talked about a lot on the show. But then also she's like kind of introverted, kind of quiet, but really comes out when she's around the people that she loves and is the most comfortable with. She finds herself in like bad luck situations and just like kind of like puts her own foot in her mouth. I feel like I do that so much as a little sometimes maybe afraid to speak her mind and ends up in kind of like crazy things. Um, and she kind of does have her own journey through the show of like kind of discovering where she wants to go with her life. And I feel like I'm kind of at a pivotal point in my life where I'm like moving in a new direction ish. And also we have the same taste in men and that's just its own thing. So whatever. I just, she's just so funny and cool and I love everything about her. So that's my answer. I love that. Yeah. What a great show too. <clears throat> My original answer was Alaska Young from Looking for Alaska, which, as our patrons know, is my favorite book. Um, that's kind of a depressing answer because she is a complicated character, but I've always just related to her, her every time that I read the book. And then when Hulu put out the miniseries, which I loved, um, I related to her even more. If I had to pick another one, and this is so problematic and Paige, you're not going to understand it at all, but someone right now as they're hearing this is about to scream. I have been compared on multiple occasions to Rachel Berry from Glee. I'm not quite as problematic as her, but I do have that same kind of like insane drive, obsessiveness, ruthlessness. Um, friend of the pod, Remy, one of the my favorite things that she has ever said to me was that I'm like Rachel Berry, but with depression. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> My mouth is open. I have, I don't under, I don't understand, but it's just a funny cadence, a funny idea. <laughs> yeah. I really want you to watch like a quintessential Rachel Berry episode and just be like, yep, there it is. I don't know. <laughs> she just turned me down live on the pod, ladies and gentlemen. You find the clip for me and I'll watch it, but I can't go out. Of, I just don't know if I'm ready to jump into Glee yet. I just don't know. That's fair. It is simultaneously, as I have said before, the best show and the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. Anyways, speaking of things that are bad, but also kind of good, but also kind of bad, we are still reading Midnight Sun. It kind of feels like we're never going to finish this book. One of my coworkers asked me what book I was on. One of my coworkers who is a huge Twilight fan who has known about this podcast for a long time and who asked me about the podcast pretty frequently. So 
every week she's like, what book are you on right now? And this week I had to be like, still on Midnight Sun. And she was like, you've been reading it for a long time. And I'm like, I know, it's a huge book. She's like, what part are you at? I'm like, oh, she just met Edward's family. She was like, it's like halfway through. (laughs) Literally, it's so... And the thing about Midnight Sun is the chapters are so long, so we have to go one at a time. It's because Edward is verbose. I was going to say he never shuts the fuck up. That was a nicer way of saying that. It's the same thing. We said the same thing. <laughs> um. So speaking of, we read chapter 19, which was called Home, which I love that song. It's like, let me go home. Home is wherever I'm with you. That song probably came out 12 years ago, and I'm just now vibing to it, but that's how I roll. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros? Yeah. Also, I feel like they were maybe on one of the Twilight soundtracks. I'm not even kidding. God damn it. I really like them. They're, I, I'm, uh, I was a bigger fan of them back in the day. They still have some good stuff, but I do like them. I'm going to look up and see if I'm right, because that would be hilarious, because I didn't even think about it when I brought it up. Oh, maybe not. I thought maybe, were they on the Breaking Dawn soundtrack? It appears as though they were not. Sorry for bringing that up. I don't know why I thought they were. Listeners, let me know if I'm totally off my rocker here. The weird thing is, is like, um, you know how normally you can find like soundtracks on Spotify? A lot of the, tw- the Twilight ones like aren't on there or there's like a bunch of songs missing, which I don't know if that's like a rights thing or what, but it's very irritating. Weird. Yeah. Kind of feels like a weird fever dream I had one time. Now, I'm I mean, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but is the Twilight soundtrack just a bunch of songs that have already been published? They're not specific to Twilight. They're just songs that they use in the movie. I would say, like, for the first movie specifically. For any of them. I would say there's a good mix of songs that were already published and songs that were written specifically for these movies. Like, Paramore wrote songs. Muse wrote songs, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure that song, A Thousand Years, was written for Twilight, you know. I've loved you for a thousand years. I'm pretty sure that was, like, written for Twilight. If not, it was definitely in it. Now I'm, like, talking out of my ass because I just said the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros are on there, but I'm pretty sure it was written for Twilight. Um, trying to think who else. Yeah, I can't think of anything. There is this theory that's probably actually just a fact that um, Edward, like, for Stephanie Meyer was based off of the lead singer of My Chemical Romance because she was, like, obsessed with him. And they refused to be in the movies, like the soundtracks, because of that. <laughs> just laying on the floor. <laughs> I forget his name. I can't think of it right now, but she was like in love with him. Cheese and rice. <laughs> now I'm going to look it up so I don't know. Um, lead singer. My. And she's dressing herself up in a long, floral length khaki skirt to impress that guy? That. The khaki Her skirt? Was- yeah. What's his name? Gerard Way. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. (laughs) 
like the headline of this is even though My Chemical Romance inspired Twilight, they were not fans of the saga. <laughs> Sad. Ooh, that's like that's hearing from the news that your crush doesn't like you back. <laughs> but also, she's married and has children, so like. I don't know. Maybe just don't put that information out into the world. Okay, but, like, I could be married and have, like, a bunch of children. It, I don't know. Something in a fake world. I could be married and have a bunch of kids in the future. And if Josh Hutcherson went on file uh, in a newspaper, on file said, I am not interested in Paige. I don't want to date her. I'm not a fan. I would be pretty devastated. It would be devastating. That's true. Maybe that's her villain origin story. (laughs) Anyways, I don't... We got so off track. I was going to ask you what you thought about this chapter. (laughs) Okay. This chapter was a lot. Like, I did, I did like, you know, I think all the parts about it in Twilight that I liked. Like, I like hearing the backstories. I liked the part where Edward is talking with Rosalie and there is sort of... I don't want to say a resolution, but I feel way better about the situation. Like that conversation was really nice. I thought that I got a good feeling off of that conversation. So that was nice to read about. The morning before Bella gets to the Collins home, I want that put all in the garbage. I'm not interested in that. The first part and the last part was all good. (laughs) What do you have against the morning? (laughs) I have a note in there. All it says is, y'all are nasty. <laughs> okay, I look forward to getting to that point. Let me know when it happens. I feel like there has to, you have to have written down what I wrote down. I feel like there's no way you didn't stop and be like, hmm, someone wrote these words down. I'm not. What? No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not remembering what it would be. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. I read it to both Millie and Danny today, and it made both of them upset. Okay. <laughs> there is parts of the of this chapter that make me upset, but they're not in the morning. Let's just continue. Okay. So to start off, Edward is just spending the night at Bella's as she sleeps. And first of all, I... He's thinking about bringing her home to see his family and to meet his family. And he is worried about Emmett. And he says um, he would find it hilarious to say something off-putting or frightening. And my note for this was, isn't it obvious by now that Bella, like, is into off-putting and frightening? It's like her kink. I feel like if a crazy thing happened at the Collins house, she might be like, whoa, I can't believe that happened. But I think she'd be into it. I think she would think it's cool and want to know more about it, get more information. Yeah, definitely. So I'm kind of like, eh, you're worrying for no reason. Also, the way that he uses the word gyrations on page 418. Why? Why? This is out to all my Bob's Burgers fans out there. They're... This made me think of a very classic Tina scene where they're all of the kids are sleeping in Bob and Linda's bed for some reason I can't remember, and Tina talks about her um 
night, I want to say she calls them night spasms. And the way that she's drawn is like a fish out of water. She's like laying perfectly still and her body's going like, like back and forth like this. And that's what I was picturing. Just like Bella just doing some weird thing. I, it was not the word to use. I don't think I've ever used the word gyration to describe someone I love in a nice way. It just sounds bad. I don't think I've ever used the word gyration, period, end of sentence. Why would you use it? Have you ever used the word octogenarian? I have not, because I'm not a goddamn nerd. (laughs) Actually, I am. (laughs) We'll get there, too. Okay. Yeah, we will. So then he realizes that he has to go talk to Rosalie, as Paige already mentioned. So Alice does kind of the prep work and has Rosalie waiting for him. And they have this conversation about Bella. So before I get into the details on it, I know that you said that you liked it. Do you have any interesting or or other thoughts that you wanted to share? There's a, a part that we'll get to in the conversation that really kind of made me feel for Edward. I It just made me feel very sad and sort of want him to find happiness. And it was also refreshing to see Rosalie be sort of empathetic in this because she's painted in such a negative light throughout Twilight and this book. It's nice to see a warmer side of her that you haven't seen yet. Yeah, definitely. So um, right off the bat, she guesses that Edward wants her to be nice to the human, as she calls Bella. And... He says, yeah, that's what I want. You didn't ask my permission to bring Emmett home. And she's she's like, that's different. And he says, more permanent. And that kind of takes Rosalie off guard. Um, but they don't talk about it for a, few, a little bit, until a little bit later. And before they get into that subject, she tells Edward, I can't look at her. When I look at her, I can't see her as a person. I just see a waste. Which is kind of dark, but really kind of explains, sorry, my cats are fighting, really kind of explains um, Rosalie's behavior up to this point, which we already kind of knew this, but still. Yeah, I don't know if she's necessarily herself verbalized it. I feel like when we learned about this, it was Edward talking about how she felt. So kind of hearing it from that unreliable narrator point of view like you're hearing it from someone who's not that person so hearing it from her specifically solidifies that yes this is the way that she's feeling and this is the reason that she's acting this way yeah definitely and Edward gets kind of mad at that remark um and she says I am sorry I didn't mean that to sound so cruel I just I can't I can't watch her do this She's got a chance for everything, Edward. A whole life of possibilities ahead of her, and she's going to waste it all. Everything I lost, I can't bear to watch it. So then he makes it very clear that that's not what he wants. He doesn't want Bella to be a vampire. And Rosalie's like, then what's your plan? And he basically says, like, to be with her until she gets sick of me and, like, moves on with her life. And Rosalie's like, uh... I don't know about that. I feel like she's probably going to beg you to change her. And Edward says, I'll refuse. And Rosalie says, I th- I still think it's too dangerous. I'm not sure you're that strong. 
And he is like, okay, well, I know that you're, and we'll get back to the octogenarian thing in a second, but he says, I know that you're, you know, you don't have the life that you wanted, but wouldn't you say like you've had some time of happiness? Like, that's what I want for myself too. And I want you to support me in that as my sister. And she is still kind of resisting it at this point. She says, I'm not sure what I can do. Seeing everything I want out of my reach, it's too painful. And he thinks to himself, like, that's going to be nothing compared to how I'm going to feel when Bella chooses to move on, which he is convinced is inevitable. And so finally he gets Rosalie to agree to try to tolerate Bella. But before we talk about that, um, you know, when they're kind of arguing about giving Bella immortality and how she will be begging for it. Um, Edward poses the question to her, like, if you were in my, or if you were human and Emmett was a vampire, like, what would you want? And she's thinking about it and she's like, and he even says, neither image seems to satisfy her. Like, she can't really think about it because that's how like repulsive this afterlife is for her and she says and I really think that this is a nice like surprising bit of wisdom here from her she says I know what I lost but I know what I lost I don't think she'll see it that way I'm going to sound like an octogenarian now she continued aloud the faintest hint of levity suddenly in her voice but you know kids these days all about the here and now, no thought for five years into the future, let alone 50. What will you do when she asks her to change? <laughs> what will you do when she asks you to change her? And they kind of talk about what I already said. I mean, I usually am annoyed by the like kids these days remarks, but I mean, I think this is kind of interesting because she is right here. Like, I feel like Bella has given no thought to like the fact that if she does join Edward in this afterlife like it's forever you don't get to take it back yeah I you can kind of take what she's saying and place it into a relationship with someone in just regular life let alone asking for immortality like like yeah if you're ha you're if you're happy now like that's cool and you're looking at like what's gonna bring you happiness but like what about five years from now what about 10 years from now like you have to keep that in mind too. And that's just for regular life. Like considering something supernatural is a totally different ballpark as immortality. The thought of immortality gives me anxiety. Like the thought of forever, that forever was sort of a, a concept that was talked a lot about growing up in a Catholic community, like eternal life is a thing that is very common, just common terminology, I would say. And whenever I thought about the concept of eternal life, it made me scared. Like, I can't, my brain can't even process that. I don't understand how Bella isn't kind of thinking the same things, but sure, whatever. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I saw this tweet once and I will never be able to find it, but it was like, I'm glad you only live once because I can't do this shit again. <laughs> I didn't even ask for the first time. True. T. <laughs> um, so after Rosalie agrees to try to tolerate her, um, 
Edward's like, okay, well, now that you agreed, I'm bringing her over today. <laughs> like, later on today. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not ready for that. So she ends up kind of fleeing, and Emmett goes with her to comfort her. And um, before he leaves to go back to Bella's house, he, like, has this super brief encounter with Alice, and... um he basically goes to ask her like what she sees now for Bella's future. And before he can even get the words out, she shows him and there's no longer a knot like we knew there wasn't going to be. But um, unfortunately for Edward, the ones, the visions where she is a vampire are like the most clear. And then the ones where she is aging as a human are like kind of on the outer edge. Doesn't seem like the, the, what what do they say in the Hunger Games? The luck is in her favor. The odds are in her favor. Yeah, doesn't sound like the odds are very much in her favor right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Edward tries to argue and say, that's never going to happen, meaning Bella being a vampire. And Alice says, when have you ever said no to Bella? And then he, he yeets himself out of there. <laughs> Which I'm like, ever? They've been dating for a month. There's still time. <laughs> We'll we'll see more of this. Not even a month, like two weeks. Anyways, so he gets back to her room and he has this kind of moment where he's like, I'm kind of unsure of myself. And I have to be honest, I totally felt this. Like, do you ever like just wake up and you're like, uh, is this going to be weird? Should I pretend to be asleep? <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Yep. So he goes and he like sit. Obviously, he can't pretend to be asleep. So he goes and sits in her rocking chair and waits until she wakes up. Um, Charlie's up briefly and like um, puts Bella's battery cables in her truck back together. And then, um, as we know, Bella gets up and is all happy to see him. And, like jumps into his lap. And then she gets mad that he left because she notices that he changed clothes. And he's like, "Oh, I didn't miss anything." You told me that you loved me in your sleep or whatever. And she says, you knew that already. And he says, it was nice to hear just the same. And then she says, I love you. And then he is like stoked because as Paige made very clear last time, it counts when she's awake. Yeah, he, he went out of his way to say it was nice to hear it, like her choosing to say it and wanting me to hear it. I'm like, yeah, that is exciting. Yes. And on a related note, I don't know if he'll jump on this crusade with me, but he says, I wanted even stronger words, words that could accurately describe what she had become to me. There was nothing left inside me that wasn't entirely about her. I remembered our first conversation, remember thinking then that I did not truly have a life. That was no longer the case. He says, you are my life now. Those are not stronger words. They're corny. They're weird. And your girl's going to be, like, second-guessing herself, being like, he couldn't just say I love you, too? It was that fucking easy, and he couldn't fucking say it? And we talked about this in fucking Twilight. Another person should not be your entire world. Okay, true. I have a note a little bit further down that says, this shit ain't healthy for real. (laughs) I'm considering this man a poison-type Pokemon, because this is toxic. I don't know what that means, but I feel like it was a zinger. It was. Okay. <laughs> um. So then 
they kind of just sit there in silence for a while. And then he suggests that Bella gets breakfast and she does her very hilarious comedy routine of like acting like he's going to eat her. It's not that funny, kind of weird. And then to quote unquote punish her, he carries her down the stairs. Before that is upsetting. I was picturing like, like, I couldn't decide if he was carrying her like a baby or like over the shoulder, like a fireman. And I hated both. You know, I kind of like being carried around. Is that controversial? Is that a hot take? I wouldn't mind a piggyback ride. Like, I want to be able to see and I want to feel like I'm kind of in control. Like, I want access to my arms. I want to be able to, like, see the vantage point. So I feel like piggyback ride allows for almost, like, totem pole attack style. So, like, if there was a threat coming, we could both just, like, bam, bam, bam. I see you coming. It's not a surprise. I'm not held down, you know? I guess. When I get carried around, I just, like, I'm facing the opposite way. You know, so you're being held like a baby, like like a toddler. I guess all my limbs are wrapped around. Oh, okay, I gotcha, gotcha. That's kind of nice. But I did picture it as her like being thrown over his shoulder. Cause doesn't he say that? I feel like, yeah, I folded her over my shoulder and darted from the room. So her head is like facing the ground. Whatever works, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. It's stupid to linger on it this this long, but it was stupid. Speaking about things not to linger on because they're stupid. So before they go downstairs, Bella asks for another human minute. And she kind of like, she goes to the bathroom and she kind of like brushes her hair. And you can hear Edward saying like, she is brushing her hair really hard. I feel really bad for her hair. Which one? That is so relatable. Like the face that Danny makes when he hears me brushing my hair, he is in extreme pain. I'm in extreme pain, but my head is numb. Um, But two, Bella is like weird. She's kind of acting kind of weird in the morning. Like she's kind of sporadic and even Edward is like her, she's kind of frantic right now. And when she comes back after being in the bathroom, she's kind of like a little quiet. She's kind of acting a little weird. And I know this is not canon, but what if, okay, hear me out. Bella's like, damn, I gotta take my morning poop right now. And my boyfriend is here. And like, he has supernatural powers. He can hear everything. He smells me real good. So she goes in there. She does the dirty. She comes back and she's really nervous because she's like, I know he can smell it on me. I know he can. But Edward will never say that. He's too proud and he doesn't want to embarrass her. That's what I'm picturing is going through Bella's head. I know it's not because I read Twilight. But what if? I feel like it's a very realistic scenario. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd be stressed about if I was her. Yeah. I would be too. Yikes. Imagine pooping at the Cullen's house and knowing like six or so. How how fucking many are there of them? Seven? Seven vampires can hear you. God. I don't even poop at work. (laughs) I'm here like 40 hours a week. God. (sighs) Anyway, so when they get downstairs, Bella is getting herself a bowl of cereal and he is like... I just, he's 
he's getting off on her getting the cereal and I'm like bro she's getting cereal and it's off-brand like (laughs) not that I'm making fun of off-brand but it's just like it's not that romantic of a moment you know what I mean it's not even the sexiest cereal it's just Cheerios off-brand Cheerios (sighs) it's not sexy you know what would hit different right now and this is a lot coming from me because I actually don't like cereal Cap'n Crunch can I say something that might be controversial and I mean I can't I don't know what Captain Crunch Captain Crunch tastes like the thing is now hear me out I went gluten-free in like 2009 so I haven't had cereal just became not what I eat for breakfast very quickly and like I mean they make gluten-free cereals but it just it has been removed from my diet pretty fully so I haven't had cereal in a long time. Now, don't get me wrong. I can conjure in my memory what Lucky Charms tasted like. Cornflakes, Cheerios, Reese's Puffs, Fruit Loops. Those were like my faves. Frosted Flakes for sure. Um, But Captain Crunch was never a cereal that I ate a lot of before. So I really do not remember what Captain Crunch tastes like. It's pretty good, but it also has this weird, unique ability to get stuck to the roof of your mouth, and then you have to, like, pull it off, and it kind of hurts. Wow. Was like, it like... Like, you know when you're eating pineapple, and, it, and you enjoy it, but it kind of hurts? Yes. It's like that. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, and that's about the only cereal I fucks with, and I haven't had it since I was, like, eight years old, so... Yeah, I'm more of a hot breakfast girl anyways, so... I just don't like soggy things. <laughs> um. Anyway, so Bella is eating her breakfast. I don't have any notes for these next few pages because it's pretty similar to what happens in Twilight because he brings up, um, you know, meeting his family and is rattled that she's afraid that they won't like her and is not actually afraid of them. And then, oh, he's thinking about Alice and, you know, like, because Bella asks if Alice saw her coming. And I feel like we had a discussion about this in Twilight because I always interpreted that line in Twilight to mean coming to town, like moving there. But I think, I think having read Midnight Sun now that she just meant coming to their house today. Oh, yeah. I 100% think that because you don't hear about we've heard several of Alice's visions that have come true and I didn't hear one about just Bella being in town. I did hear one about her being at the house for sure. Yeah. I think my confusion stems from the fact that in the movie, this line exists, but Bella is asking about her moving to town. Mm -hmm. So I think I just got my lines crossed there. That makes sense. And it's possible the people who were making the movie interpreted that line that way. Yeah, especially because Midnight Sun wasn't out then. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And then Edward brings up Charlie, and he's like, you should introduce me to your father. And (laughs) she's like, "Um, as your boyfriend, and she's like, why? And he's like, shouldn't, basically, like, shouldn't we? And she's like, I don't know, you don't have to pretend for me. And he's like, I'm not pretending. And then she's like, 
basically she's like, I thought you were something more than my boyfriend, which I went off on in when we did this in Twilight. I don't need to do it again, but what the fuck are you talking about? I I'm just gonna bring it back because reading that line again, I was just like, what do you mean? What do you want? What what is there to say? I just don't get it. Literally, what it, to your dad, especially who you share little to no details about your life with. And we talked about this that they're coming to school together in the car. Forks High School, Forks High, small small school. As two gals from small schools, word gets around real quick. Everyone in that fucking school is going to know. And God knows if some shit like that went down when I was in high school, you bet your sweet bippy I would tell my mom. So all I'm saying is, is that even if she didn't say something to Charlie, that word gonna travel. I was just going to say, like, it would travel from a Brenda to a Lisa at a Walmart and spread like wildflower, wildfire. (laughs) Look. The fans need to know, our moms just run into each other at Walmart pretty frequently. It's kind of shocking. I hear, like, oh, I ran into Lisa the other day at Walmart, like, four times a year. It's crazy. But, yeah, the words would spread like wildflower. It would go student to student, student to student, student to Brenda, Brenda to Lisa, Lisa to Charlie. There you go. Yep, it would. Also, I feel like people from small towns, if any of our listeners are from small towns, they're like, okay, you see people in your town at Walmart? No, there are literally six Walmarts here in town, and there are half a million people live in this town, okay? It's, and it's also, our families, I, our houses are, I mean, in a reasonable driving distance from each other, but I also wouldn't say that we live close to each other. Yeah. So for two people to just meet up randomly like that, it's just just a wild turn of events. It's kismet. <laughs> Sorry, I never did that when you were drinking. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. So um, they're just kind of sitting there with their own thoughts. And because Edward's in his feelings again, because he's like, I'll be here as long as you will, you know, or like, or Charlie's going to need some explanation for why I'm hanging out so much. And she's like, you're going to be around. And he's like, as long as you want me. And she says, I'll always want you forever. And of course he spirals at that comment. Fucking weirdo. I'm not surprised. Me neither, but I am annoyed. Um, okay, so then, so have we gotten to the part where you, like, literally had to put the book down, or what? No, it's on page 433. Okay. I look forward to it. I don't even have a note for that page, so I must have not noticed it. All right, so then she goes to get dressed, and when she gets back, I, like, the fans, I'm not, this is not an original thought, I'm not claiming it as my thought. But the fans, especially on Tumblr, have basically theorized that Stephanie Meyer knew how much flack she got for that fucking khaki skirt in Twilight. And she was like, I'm just going to pretend it never happened and not bring it up in the night time. But we remember. We remember. I went out. I was so excited to hear her defend herself, to come back from it. She had a second chance to make it more stylish. In one of the emails that we got from Mia, 
or one of the emails, in the email that we got from Mia, she attached a photo of a very, very cute, stylish look of how she pictured Bella dressing to go meet the Collins. And it is a long khaki skirt, but it is very stylish. And Stephanie could have leaned in and, you know, said it that way, but she just decided to say absolutely nothing. And that spoke volumes, mister. That sure did. <laughs> it really did. So then they have a moment where they're he's like, you are utterly indecent. And they, like, fucking go to make out, and she faints. So we are now on page 433. What is it that you wanted to point out? All right, I'm just going to read the paragraph, and I want want your opinion. Okay. Moving with what caution I could muster in the face of what I was feeling, I pressed my lips more firmly against hers, savoring their soft yield. I was not as much in control of myself as I should have been. I let my lips fall open, wanting to feel her breath in my mouth. <laughs> so you were pro that? You were I pro- was not pro that. Do not accuse me of such things. I feel like I was just like, any time these two talk about, especially Edward, from Edward's point of view, when they talk about kissing or just whatever, not that I'm immature. I mean, I am immature, but I mean... I'm an adult. I can deal with that kind of thing. But when these two talk about it, it is literally the Charlie Brown adult sound in my head. It's like, and I'm just like, let me just get through it. Let me just get through it. I feel the same way. But first of all, him describing her lips as having a yield made me shudder. That was halfway through. It's and, like, if you want to compare her lips to her vagina, just do it. Don't be weird about it. I, I, I don't think that he was doing that, but I surely don't like the comparison. Surely <laughs> don't. Um, but I just, you know, I've kissed my fair share of people. Never <laughs> once, not a single time, even the hottest person. I have wanted their breath in my mouth. I want them to breathe out of their nose and <laughs> it goes as carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. I do not want your your exhale in my inhale. All right. <laughs> I'm so dead right now. Points were made. Points were made. You are 100% correct. So yeah, I it was like nine o'clock when I was reading that and in the morning, not at night. And I shut it and I was like, I need to I need to take a lap. I'm sorry. I need to I need to rest from that for a second. I don't blame you at all. I'm sorry for getting you involved in this mess. <laughs> when I read it to Millie, we were just chatting and she was like, I think you're really gonna like New Moon. So I'm really excited. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. I don't know. Could go either way. Truly. Anyway, so Bella faints. He helps her get up, blah, 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 whatever. They go to the house. I like that she doesn't ask any questions, even though they're like clearly driving to the middle of nowhere and he's probably going to axe murder her. I would have been like, are you going to axe murder me? Like, that's personally just what I would have said. But, you know, whatever. You know, just to lighten the mood. Yeah. 
you know, bring some levity into the situation. But no, she just doesn't say anything. And they show up at their fucking mansion that they have with embezzled money. And Bella says that she loves it. And they walk in. And they meet Carlisle, Esme, Alice, and Jasper. Obviously, Rosalie and Emmett are not present. And, um, you know, Bella does really well. you got to give her some credit. She, she does pretty well because she's literally meeting a vampire family, which is scary. Um, Esme, like, automatically loves her. It's interesting to hear their thoughts about her. It's weird, though, because I found it weird that he does not, like, ever point out an actual thought of Carlisle's. Like, I know the next chapter is going to focus on him, but still, it felt weird to me. Yeah, he only talks. And, I mean, I sort of interpreted that as Carlisle has already met and talked with Bella, so the first impressions don't matter as much with him just because that connection has already been made and we already know how Bella kind of views him. And also... Edward has talked so highly of him for so long and just has really good things to say about him. So I was, to be honest, I was more interested in seeing the people who have not talked to or met Bella at all, how they would respond. So it kind of made sense to me. It made sense, but I just thought it was weird given how, like, it's rude to say the word obsessed, but he is obsessed with Carlisle. Like, he's his, like, idol. That's true. That is true. Um, Alice makes quite the entrance where, you know, she jumps in and kisses Bella on the cheek and she says, you do smell nice. I never noticed before. And she planned it all out. I love Alice. She's such a mood. Um, and then, you know, Jasper's there and he starts using his powers to, you know, make everyone feel calm and relaxed, which I'm like, once again, I wish I had this man's in my life to calm me down sometimes. Jasper is the vampire version of an oil diffuser. Like, he is putting in sense of calm. He is putting in sense of serenity. He knows exactly the oils that gotta go in to make everyone feel good. That's the truth. So then Bella notices the piano, and she, like, is annoyed because she finds out that it's another thing that Edward is good at. And Esme's, like, all confused, and then when Bella clarifies... He is, like, rattled. Or she, Esme is, like, rattled. She's like, I hope you weren't showing off. Also on this page, he, Edward is, like, he has that moment with Carlisle where Carlisle's, like, hey, there's going to be visitors in his mind. And Edward, like, just nods at him, which Bella notices and they talk about later. But to, like, as an aside, Edward says, I suppose the silver lining was that I was now free to explain to Bella why I was kidnapping her. She would understand. Charlie wouldn't. I'd have to figure out the safest, least disruptive plan. Or rather, we would. She would certainly have opinions. My thing is, is like, yeah, okay, probably everyone who's reading this book knows what's going to happen with these people and has read Twilight. But if you hadn't, this would make no damn sense. Because up to this point, all we know is that Alice saw some visitors, strangers. They'll be here tomorrow night. And he's like... So I'm going to have to kidnap Bella. And you're like, wait, what? <sighs> I I simply don't understand why they, why he couldn't just chill out at her house with her. I don't know. Like, I really don't think that if Edward 
and Bella weren't there at the baseball game, the whole reason that James wants them is because Edward is like, you can't have her. He like gets driven by it that he wants, he wants this prize. If they weren't even there to make that impression, would they have gone out of their way? Like, I, not all of the Collins feel this insatiable pull towards Bella and the way that she smells that Edward has. I think it's just Edward who feels so pulled by her. Yeah. If they, if she was just at her house and Edward was there and yeah, maybe Emmett goes with them just as like a backup. He doesn't have to even be in the house. He can just be chilling kind of in the vicinity, just like bopping around or even in a car, just like somewhere. I don't think that those vampires would have even gone close to them. I mostly agree, but then I'm like, well, what if they like notice? Because like the whole thing is like scent trails, right? So what if they notice they were like, oh, there was two that are there's another two that live here. Like what? Why aren't they with the other ones? And then they like followed those trails and found them like chilling with a human. That is the only thing. It's unlikely, but... I guess that's true, but then that also follows closely into my second big question, which I I would have gotten into when we do the baseball episode, but if in this chapter we know that these visitors are planning on making a stop at the Collins' home, why did Bella even come to the baseball game? Like, she should have left immediately, you know? Like, if that was a thing... Because th- does this happen this day or does this happen on another day i can't remember i think it's this day this day they she should have just left if that was like i she didn't even have to be at the baseball area you know no i fully agree it's complete idiocy it's it's just it just don't make sense to me (laughs) same also on this page when they're having that conversation about Edward being good at everything and Esme is annoyed, I laughed out loud on the bottom of page 438. (laughs) Because Bella says, Edward can do everything, right? Carlisle repressed his amusement, but Jasper laughed out loud. Alice was watching the conversation that would happen 20 seconds from now. This was old news to her. (laughs) Like, Alice! (laughs) She's never done that. She, like, never laughs at jokes because she, like, or she laughs at them too early or whatever. It's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then um, Edward starts playing the song that he wrote for Esme for Bella. And she's getting pretty emo. The other vampires leave them alone so they can have some privacy. And Bella asks Edward if... No. Edward asks Bella if she likes the song. And she is like, like I said, she's getting emo. She's like, it's another thing that he's amazing at and she can't do. And he's like, there's only one way to solve this. I'll play her song. And my thing is, is like, I don't see how playing another like super complex original song that takes extreme talent to do is going to help the situation. Like, I feel like this is going to make it worse. But think of Bella's alibi. Is it that complex? Is it Rivers Run Forth? No, it's not. Not in the movies! <laughs> God. Just going back to how you said, like, your life should never revolve around someone, at the bottom of page 440, he says, you inspired this one. And then, as an aside, he says, 
Could she feel how this music came from the very core of my being and that my core, along with everything else I was, centered wholly on her? That is like textbook unhealthy attachment. I'm sure there's like a better like word for that, but I couldn't think of it. I would feel so guilty all the time if I knew that someone's world revolved around me and every every drop of them that they did, everything about them was me centered. I would feel guilty and also like I couldn't do anything ever. Yes, and also like I don't even my whole world doesn't even revolve around me. I'm annoyed with myself frequently. Yeah, she's always doing shit I don't like. <laughs> not you, not you, maybe me. <laughs> Yeah, I knew what you meant. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Ugh. Anyways. So Bella basically asks, I love that she does this in full, she knows that they, she's like in full earshot of all these vampires, but she asks like basically their opinion of all of them, or like their their opinion of her and like how they feel about her. And she's kind of like, you know, Rosalie and Emmett don't like me is what she's implying. And Edward says, Rosalie will come around. Emmett has no problem with you. He's just trying to help Rosalie. And then he tells her that Jasper, he told Jasper to kind of stay farther back because he is the newest to being a quote unquote vegetarian. And then he tells her that Esme like is super stoked and is just like so excited that, you know, Edward finally has a girlfriend basically. (laughs) And Then they have a weird moment about Alice. Um, She says, Alice seems very enthusiastic. And he says, Alice has her own way of looking at things very tensely. And she says, and you're not going to explain that, are you? And then he just doesn't even respond. Then he tells her about, you know, the warning that Carlisle gave him and how there's going to be visitors. And he's glad when she like actually expresses some fear Um, because he considers that like the normal reaction and then um, they talk about the house and how it's she says that it's surprising because it's so light and open and he says it's the one place we never have to hide and then he finishes the song and she's like crying tears of joy or whatever and we got to talk about this again we got to do it again and I have a note for it so don't worry I'm ready to discuss we briefly talked about it in Twilight, but it was such a flash in Twilight. It's not in this book. It has a full page explanation. Edward literally eats her tear. And wanting to be a sad e-boy, he's like, I just want a part of her to live inside me because Carla has done studies and like we don't know where the liquid that we put into our body goes and all this stuff. And I'm just like, why was this necessary? Your thoughts? One. Even if you were a human, that shit wouldn't stay inside of you. So it's not going to work. Two, the note that I took on this reads, Explain it scientifically all you want. I still think swallowing her tear is fucking weird. It is. And if I was Bella, I would run. (laughs) I, I can't tell which one I dislike more. The fact that it happens in full detail in Midnight Sun and you get the explanation as to why, or from Bella's point of view, and it just happens really quick and then she just moves on past it. I'm upset both ways. You're just going to move on past it, Bella? No thoughts? Oh, Edward, you're going to try and justify it? You're going to try and justify this weird-ass action? I hate all of it. All of it's bad. 
I agree fully. I think Bella's is worse because literally picture it. Like I know we're talking about how weird it is. Sit here for a moment with me and picture Danny eating one of your tears. What would you fucking do? If you ate one of my tears, I think I wouldn't respond to your messages for like probably like five days. (laughs) Oh, that's not bad. Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Also, we have to have this discourse here for a second. Let's just let's just operate on the assumption here that Carlisle's theory is right and that only blood is accepted by their bodies and nothing besides blood seemed to move through them at all. Okay, let's think about this for a second. Because Paige is spoiled on the fact that Bella has a child, we already know that vampires produce sperm. Does this mean? I see where you're going. Does that mean that when vampires give other vampires blowjobs and swallow their cum, that it stays in them forever? Forever. You're just walking around with a full belly of cum? Always? Here's what I want to know. I remember when Edward took a bite of that pizza that he said he was going to be getting sick or something like that. Did he force himself to get sick or did his body have a reaction to remove it from the body because in this it sounds like it's just chilling until something were to happen but in that chapter it kind of sounded like the body would reject it and cause sort of a reaction to get the foreign substance out do you know i interpreted it as him saying it would it's gonna suck to gag that out later so i think he does it like by choice okay so then i think that I think that it would just sit until something were to happen. God! Also, this doesn't make any sense even by the rules that she has defined for herself because they have venom. Is venom not a liquid? It probably doesn't exist in the stomach. There's probably like a separate organ that deals with venom. But it comes out of their mouth, right? Yes. So it has to be, like, in their throat. I imagine almost, like, in the salivary gland. And maybe it's, like, a a chemical that the body can break down, at least. Not necessarily digest, but it could break down the venom and convert it into something else. Okay. I can maybe see that. I'm just picturing vampires walking around with cum-filled bellies, and it's very uncomfortable to me. No thoughts, head empty? I I have a lot of thoughts. I'm just trying to choose my words carefully. Okay. I'm just going to say, look, vampires, humans, we've all been there. True, but we digest it. They don't. You're right. Let's move on. (laughs) Just know that we're thinking about it and we're uncomfortable with it. So anyways, then we go into the very Puritan discussion of Carlisle's history. And we already know all this. Um, It's funny, though, because when he is explaining, um, you know, how old Carlisle is... On page 445, he says, she'd been keeping up a good charade for the most part, almost as if she were dissociating from the facts. 
But when I spoke the word vampires, her shoulders stiffened and she held her breath for an extra second. My note for this was, girl, I've been there, parentheses, dissociating from facts. (laughs) Yeah, we've all been there. I was going to say, haven't we all? So Edward goes over, um, you know, Carlisle's history that we already know, as I mentioned. Um, The Volturi are brought up again. So I was curious on if you had any... uh, additional thoughts on you know or theories on them based on what is said here so basically all that's said about them is that the vampire that created carlisle like couldn't really attack a whole mob because the volturi were less than a thousand miles away their laws had been established for a millennium by this point and their demand that every mortal exercise discretion for the benefit of all was universally accepted the story of a vampire sighting in london attested to by 50 witnesses with drained corpses as proof would not have gone over well in volterra the only thing that I really got out of it was that there is a location called Volterra, obviously derivative of Volturi. Um, but it just makes me think that there's some kind of city or country, I don't know, region, a mass of population that is all vampiric, which I think is super interesting. Okay, yeah, I like that theory. We shall see. Um, Also, I just wanted to point out um, this thing about Carlisle because Edward is talking about, you know, how he he craves a familial life. And so that's why he chooses to create Edward. But I'm just like, imagine you're Carlisle. You're fucking lonely. You decide finally to create another vampire. And the motherfucker can read minds. I would be so pissed. (laughs) You go from being alone all the time to literally never, ever, 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 ever being alone, even in your own brain. Okay. I'm going to paint a scenario for you. Okay. He changes Edward. Edward is recovering in the hospital or wherever. Carlisle walks in. Edward's like, has like 19, 18 test tubes in his, no, not test tubes, um, breathing tubes in his nose. <laughs> He's got, like, tubes. <laughs> he's got like tubes and stuff in his arms. I don't know what they were doing in hospitals in 1918. But he comes in, he was like, oh, that's pretty fucking bad right now. Like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then Edward's eyes snap open. He's like, say it to my face, bitch. I know that Edward would never do that, but it's just a fun little like, just like, what? how did you hear what I was thinking kind of a thing? Because if it were me, I know I would think something to roast someone and that would be the thing that they hear first. Yes, the worst first impression ever. I would shit my pants if I was Carlisle and this happened to me. I'd be so mad. Mm -hmm. Also, I have just this like kind of nerd, nerdy literary point. Um, on the last page of the chapter, page 447. It's just interesting to have Edward talk, like, kind of, quote-unquote, to us while there's dialogue in the background. So the thing I'm looking at most closely is um, the paragraph that begins, and Carlisle the strongest. I now told Bella what I could about his extraordinarily disciplined conversion. I found myself editing things, blah, blah, blah. But it's, like, it's weird because he's telling us what he's telling Bella. You know what I mean? It's interesting. It's almost like a play when, like, the uh, actor, like, speaks to the audience, but the thought is that the audience can hear it, but the other characters cannot. 
Mm -hmm. It makes me think of, like, it's happening in the movie, and you can see them talking, but there's something, like, you're not there for the conversation, there's something else happening. Yeah, like a montage. (laughs) Yes. It is a montage, yes. Yeah. Um, so this chapter ends kind of abruptly, as it did in Twilight, um, because he decides to go get the rest of the story from Carlisle, which he doesn't even end up getting, so that's kind of funny, but, um, the last few sentences are, Edward says, I expect you to have, I expect you have a few more questions for me. She grinned, totally self-possessed, seemingly fearless. A few. I smiled back. Come on, then, I'll show you. Did you have any notes we didn't cover? Just one, and it just happened, so it still fits. But on page 445, at the very bottom, it reads, this is talking about sort of the community that Carlisle came from before he got turned, and his father, too, like this crusade that his father ran, basically. They burned a lot of innocent people. Of course, the real creatures that he sought were not so easy to catch. This still haunted Carlisle, the innocents his father had murdered, and even more, those murders Carlisle had been unwillingly involved in. I was glad for his sake that the memories were blurred and always fading more. This kind of made me think, and I mean, I don't think that this is too much of a stretch, but in my mind, it kind of makes them being vegetarian make a little more sense because Carlisle is the patriarch of the family. He is the origin pretty much of everyone there. And so his ideal, his ideals and what he thinks are right are obviously going to kind of trickle down in that family. And, you know, they say, you know, just because we're monsters doesn't mean we have to like fully give in to that stereotype which is fair, but I kind of feel like the reason maybe that Carlisle doesn't want to give in to that stereotype is from his origin story. Like, he still feels all this guilt about being immortal and killing people that didn't deserve to die. And now he has all of this power to cause even more mayhem, and he still feels so guilty and just wants to not cause any more evil than he already has. So I think it's kind of, it's just, it adds a little extra to Carlisle's why he is the way that he is. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, I had, you know, thought about those murders that he was involved in, but I hadn't really like connected the dots on that like you had. So that was really, that's really interesting. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's in Carlisle's nature to not want to harm things. I think he's just one of those people, but I definitely think that this probably weighs heavily on him. Even though Edward says like the memories are blurred, like just knowing what we know about Carlisle, I feel like they're not really. Yeah. I, I could see him carrying that wanting to become a doctor. Like if, if I can reverse in any way the hurt that I've caused and help people to cause people to live. Oof. I almost just said to cause people to live longer. And then I was like, yeah, he's done that a few times, sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> so funny. Okay, for next week, we're reading chapter 20, which is called Carlisle. Um, it's a little bit shorter than the ones that we've been doing, but the one after it is a marathon again, so <laughs> couldn't combine. So, so obviously, you know what's going to be talked about in this, but do you have any additional predictions? So this is the chapter that you were in Carlisle's office, but I think we also go to Edward's room I don't know if that's going to happen in this particular chapter, but picture 
picture Bella showing, I can't even say picture Bella showing Edward her room because Edward fucking took that moment before Bella had a chance to show him her room. But just like imagine, imagine how Bella would feel and describe the experience of like, oh, I'm really nervous about showing Edward my room. Imagine Edward now verbalizing how he feels showing Bella his room. That's what I think we're going to (laughs) get. And it's going to be a shit show. (laughs) And I think this is also uh, Jasper comes in and Alice. They're all kind of hanging out and talking. So that'll be fun to hear like their thoughts while it's happening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm excited to see more interactions between everybody. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we did it. I think we did it, folks. Um, you know the spiel. As we said earlier, we love to get emails or DMs or any way you want to reach us. Send us a carrier pigeon. We do have a P.O. box. Let me know if you want the address. Um, our email is TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media and DM us on there. We're on Instagram and Tumblr at TuesdaysAreForTwilight. We're on Twitter at TaftPod, T-A-F-T Pod. And... Is there anything else I'm forgetting? Donate to, to move to higher ground. Always, always, always. MTHD.org. Paige, you got anything else? Um, this is sort of a extension to the reaching out to us. Um, I just found out that I'm going to get a bonus from work. And I have decided that with the money, aside from paying bills, I'm going to treat myself to an air fryer. So if any of the listeners have any recommendations, any advice, I would love to hear it. I've been doing a lot of research and I have a couple picked out that I am choosing between. So if anyone has anything they want me to know, I'd love to hear it. So please send an email or tweet us or whatever. We'll we'll see it. And then you know what? I'll fry up some things real good. Very exciting. I'm super excited for you. I'm ex- I'm my stomach is doing loop-de-loops. It's so excited. <laughs> well, now you know what Paige will be up to in the meantime, but until next time for chapter 20, you guys stay safe and we'll see you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.